0: Welcome back to the Macam In The Middle podcast after the second league game of the season, way to Bristol City. A 3-2 victory for Sunderland, which means our unbeaten start to the season does continue into the third week of fixtures, and very shortly we will get into everything that happened in the game. First and foremost though, Dylan, it is now 18 games unbeaten under Alex Neal, only one game we've lost since he was appointed manager. It's good going so far.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, how how long has it been since we've since we've gone anywhere near this long without without losing a game? Obviously, I know a lot of them were in League One last season, but the fact that we've stepped up and carried it on in the opening two fixtures of this season against two, let's face it, very good Championship teams. I mean, it's always it's always ideal to have a run like. Listen, I hope we can keep it going uh, forever. Let's just go undefeated this season. Let's just keep it going forever.
0: Yeah, hopefully so. You were there, Michael, um, and like like, like what- we said. Kind of, I think we kind of mentioned it in the preview a little bit about how Sunderland, especially this season, you know, given the fact that we did finish fifth in league one, we got promoted, obviously picked up the least points than any other of the two promoted sides. So effectively, we are the biggest underdog in this league. Obviously, you can say we're the biggest club, whatever. But in terms of on the pitch and results recently, we are still probably the biggest underdog in the league. So, you know, going into this game, (laughs) it's... I don't want to say it's a kind of win-win situation because obviously you don't want to drop points in any game, but the pressure is off Sunderland in games like this, especially away from home.
2: That's going to be the case in a lot of the games this season. Like we said on the preview podcast, to be honest, that we're going at ninety percent, we're going into about say seventy-five, eighty percent of these games as underdogs. The only games that you can really think of that's an exception to that rule is probably Wigan and Rotherham and home, for example, but. You know, and yeah, we are l- with the lowest-ranked team going into this season. I do certainly think that I'm personally not a subscriber of the, the fifth-in-the-one thing because hmm. you know it ignores the context of having to get in two points per game to get in the playoffs. Get past Chef Wedd, who were fancied by quite a lot of people um, over two legs, including going to Hillsborough in the second leg and then winning at Wembley. But the, but the, I get your point though. Like we we did finish le- with less points than Wigan and Rotherham, um, and. But these two, if you look just on what we've seen so far, you look at the Coventry game, for example. Coventry would have been favourites for that, or at the very least, at very best, it would have been joint favourites because we were at home. And yesterday, I think I'm pretty sure Bristol City would have been favourites. So to come away with four points, um, is 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 a great testament to it. And it's as you said, and what it shows me in the last two games is that we're actually more capable of starting to step up the championship level. Obviously, we're going to lose games. We 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 can't get ahead of ourselves. But we might as well, because we're second in the league, just to mention it. But you yeah. know, there's there's a long way to go yet. We are going to have a lot of ups and downs across this season. But so far, it looks like we're not going. to, Well, hopefully, not. Go, we're actually going to be competitive in the championship this time, unlike the one five years ago.
0: Yeah, and obviously, also going back to the preview that we did, Dylan. We talked about you know if we were going to bring any players in Valentine. We got around to recording this. We haven't. Um, there will be players, I imagine, will come in between now and the end of the window. That is pretty much a guarantee. But I think the most exciting part of this season, especially so far, is you know people say you've got to be realistic. You've got to you know kind of understand where we where we came from. But I think the best part about this season is no one knows what is realistic. Realistic could be anywhere from winning the league to finishing bottom of the league.
1: Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I mean, um, it's like, it goes to show with the fact that the, obviously I know a few teams are yet to play in a second fixture, but there's only one team who's won both their opening games, being Blackburn. And then you see like Norwich, you've got one point from two games, and they're normally the ones who are expected to absolutely rinse the league and beat everybody. So it's like anybody can beat anybody. It's not a case of who's got the best squad or who's got the best form. It's always about who just, what which team shows up on the day. And that's obviously... What makes it exciting, especially because again, although it's only been two two uh, games, these players that have come up with us, the majority of them still play, still getting starting spots in the team, they're holding their own at, at this level at the minute. And if we can, if we can keep this sort of form going, there's no reason why there's no reason why we shouldn't be aiming for as good a season as possible. Like it's not, it's not a case of oh, let's try not to go down. Like there's there's not, as long mm. as we keep playing the way we have been and the other teams around us keep getting these sort of strange results then
0: there's any sky's the limit as far as I'm concerned yeah and obviously going back to that unbeaten run that I've talked about Michael that is obviously good going into a season but it's even better if you continue that you know in the opening games like we have and it's it's not like we've played you know Wigan at home and Rotherham at home in games that are probably the Possibly the only two games you would possibly... I'm going to keep saying possibly. This is going to make no sense. But they, they are the two games that you'd look at Sunderland as favourites for and probably the only two games that you would say that for. So to have continued the unbeaten run two games into the season against you know a Coventry side who I think a few people have, have tipped to finish kind of top 10 you know, high-end mid-table and obviously Bristol City who have... I think they've been in the league, I think it was said, for about eight years now. So they are an established club. It will do confidence and momentum a lot of good this one so far.
2: The key word you've just said right there is momentum and Sunderland from getting your favorite word. Have, yeah, where we tend to not, we tend to have momentum just in a different way down. Yeah. momentum. even as a thing. Um, with some, even if it isn't Sunderland, find a way to make it a thing, don't make But with momentum, like a positive forward momentum, we have that from the end of last year. And I've said it, I've made this point before as well that Wigan and Rotherham, for example although obviously they both deserved to finish in the top 2 in the end both kind of stumbled across the line when look when Rotherham should have won the league when well before well, they should have won the league full stop obviously because they had that 10 point gap at one stage Wigan should have won it before they did Sunderland was the only one who really had to we had to end the season well just to have just to get promoted ourselves so yeah. we've got that momentum going into this start of this season but as you've said you know I mean if you look at it again We faced a bit of adversity in the first two games already when we we had the disappointment of conceding late on in the Coventry game, but we held our own, got the point and could have nicked it. And then in this game, we obviously... I know you want to get into the game later, so I'll try not to mention it too much, but we went behind earlier in the second half and it would have been easy to crumble and fold at that point. But, you know, we ended up coming back to win. So we've got character in the team, which is very, very promising. And we're going to need that. Like I said, we're going to have to... Like you said, we don't know what's realistic for this season. I think as long as we stay up and stay up comfortably, then after that, the sky's the limit. You could literally do anything. Um, yeah. And that's, that's where you're going to need the togetherness. You're going to need to have that battling, scrap, scrap for every point mentality. Um, so to have that already, yes, there's 44 games left, but so far to have it can only be a positive, surely.
0: Yeah. And obviously there was one change made to the Sutton team before the game, Dylan, and it was the exact same change that I said to Michael would happen on the preview. I didn't say it would happen. I suggested it could happen, and it did. Um, embleton was dropped, and I don't think there'd be too much complaints about that. And obviously, Ellis Sims came in to kind of partner Ross Stewart up front in a in a front two. Obviously, Pritchard playing just behind them. And obviously, we'll get into that partnership and how well they did in the game. But it is a bold move to play with two up front. You know, first away game of the season, first away game in the championship for, what, four or five years it would be quite easy for Alex Neil to sit back and try and play for the point, but he didn't.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. It was a it was a very bold decision to obviously switch it up and start with the two up front. Especially, I don't know about anyone else, but just on paper, I at it, and I wasn't sure if if Sims and Stewart would have maybe linked up the best together, just because obviously as like they're both very similar in terms of yeah. stature, and they're like like I I would add like, before. Today I considered Stewart like obviously very much like a lone striker. I wasn't sure how he would have fared with someone someone else trying to like sharing that that workload of front But I mean, Sims has come on and four minutes into his into his first game, he, he scored, and then he, obviously he's gone and scored again later on. So it's it's proven to be a very uh, very good decision. But I mean. Obviously, clearly, we're, we're saying that we are liking the look of how, how the squad's playing. Thinking of you know, if Alex Nails clearly been looking at everyone in training and thinking we could have gone out there and got got a better result than just a draw. Then why not go for it? It's, I'd rather. I, I think everyone would rather see a team that goes for the win and maybe fall short. Than someone who just sits back for ninety minutes and gets the result. Obviously, that was something that used to happen a lot. And under, under Jet Ross playing for those 1-1s and everyone got quite frustrated with it. So, I mean, if he's got if he's going to go for the the wins when we're, when we're playing away, obviously we should be coming away with more points uh, overall. Because even if we even if we lose some, hopefully, Elite was winning winning more than we would have drawn. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and as mentioned there, Michael, we did take the lead after four minutes, and it was Ellis Sims on his debut. And again, I think it just kind of reiterates the fact Rush Stewart is not just a goal scorer, because he played a big part in the goal, obviously. It was a it was a mistake from Bristol City. I don't think there's any kind of disagreements with that. They've tried to play it out from the back, took a heavy touch and, and Rush Stewart's made the tackle. So the ball obviously felt to Sims, good finish from twenty yards out, keeper possibly unsighted a little bit. You know, he was he was moving to the left, the ball obviously went to his right. But again, it just shows that the two players that we have up front aren't just there to score goals. They're there to help the rest of the team as well.
2: I know, and that's quite important as well, because you've had, how many strikers have we had over the years, not just at Sunderland, but across football, where they score goals, but literally do nothing else. And, you know, the most recent example we can think of is... is Ronaldo. Example. That, that's the most recent player I could think of, where someone who obviously does well to get the goals that he did, no dispute in it, but when, when they're not very effective at a lot of other things, Whereas mm-hmm. Sims and, and bearing in mind this is the, this is the harder level we're talking about now, so yeah. Sims and Stewart, um, forget I think I think was it Roy Fallow might have put that uh, forget Suarez and storage. We have the new SAS Sims and uh, Stewart, yeah. so that's where I'm rolling with that. Like to be fair, but um, you you look at it, yeah. The, the first goal, obviously the two, it's the two of them had a good partnership with each other, and that and that this is Sims first minutes. It's not just his first like start, it's his first minutes on the pitch. I don't think he came on against Coventry, did he?
0: No, he didn't, no.
2: No, so this is his, this is his first uh, bit of action in the Sunland shirt. And one thing I liked about them is obviously Ross Stewart. We, we already know about Ross Stewart. We know how good he is in terms of off-the-ball stuff and pressing. Wasn't the most effective at it yesterday, but again, I think he's still adapting to this level like a lot of the players will be that haven't been here before. Uh, but with Sims in particular, and like I said on the preview, I only watched him play for Blackpool against Oxford in the playoffs. But I think yesterday kind of showed why. While it, while it's only what one and a bit games that I've watched of him, yesterday he had a lot of the he had a mixture of good attributes where he, he alongside Stewart, he was pressing Bristol City. He, he wouldn't let their defence settle all afternoon yesterday. He he had strength about him. He had the athleticism. He could turn. He has got the pace. He could obviously score. There's there's a lot of key attributes there. And even after even as evident as after the first ten minutes, and this might sound like I'm making uh, rash judgments far too quickly, but I'm rolling with it anyway. Um, after the first 10 minutes, I thought, this guy's got something about him here, and I think the recruitment team deserves a massive credit for hmm. bringing someone like Ellis Simpson into the club. Bearing in mind as well, weren't was it Huddersfield, Millwall and Blackpool interested in him, or have I got yeah. that wrong?
0: I know Blackpool definitely were.
2: Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure I saw Millwall and Huddersfield, but I'm sure anyone listening will correct that. Um, if I am talking rubbish there. But, you know, that, that looks really promising. And as you said, they're both not there just to score goals. They're both there to press and help each other out and help the team out. And again, considering some games where we are going to be on much more on the back foot, that's going to be, that's going to be more massive than I think people will realise.
0: Yeah. And obviously, like we say, it was a good start for Sunderland, Dylan, but it didn't take long before a mistake crept in for Sunderland. And it was about six minutes after the goal... Bristol City did get an equaliser, and it was Viman who scored the goal. Um, and I actually can't remember who he used to play for. If anyone, do you
2: think the Derby at one point?
1: I think he might have. Yeah, it was. It was one of those sort of teams.
0: I, I, I was thinking about Mr. of yesterday. Let's see if I can find it. Hang on. Aston uh... Villa. That's where he was at. Oh yes, no, you're right. And then he was at Watford on Derby, Lawn, um, then Derby, yeah, Wolves, and then obviously Bristol City since 2018. Completely off topic, I just couldn't think who he'd played for yesterday, but it was way, him.
2: Got, either way, he got like 20 or 22 goals last year or something, didn't he? So he's a better Yeah, he did well.
0: He's, yeah. he's known at this game. Yeah, but it was him that got the equaliser, Dylan. And talking about the game last week, there was, you could argue, who was at fault for the goal. For Coventry, you know, you could look at O'Neill and could he have, you know, maybe made a foul or, you know, he won the ball. Corby Evans kind of stood there as, as he just glided past him, and obviously Gooch was there. Mark and Giacuress before he actually got the shot off. But I don't think there's anyone else you can blame for this goal other than Gooch.
1: Yeah, no, like definitely. As much as obviously, I I like Lyndon Gucci, but it is it is very clear when he plays that he's he's not a defender, and obviously he has been effective in that sort of wing back role at points. But whenever he whenever he has a good game, it's always his contributions going forward, as opposed to his uh his defensive defensive attributes, and it's. It's frustrating, obviously, when when they uh, obviously he'll make a mistake and it'll lead a goal. I mean, Andy Vyman, as we've been seeing there, he's a, he's an excellent forward, especially for Championship level, and you can't afford to sort of leave him and give him that much space to to get a shot off because he will put it in the back of a net. So that's something it's something that if I were, obviously I'm not the manager, but if I was, him, I'd be I'd be looking at that because obviously then we've got maybe more natural defenders like Trey Hughman on the bench wondering why they're possibly not getting a chance when they'd probably do mm. a better job defensively, and he hasn't looked ridiculous going forward like he hasn't looked bad going forward either i, I think he's always been solid every time he's played so yeah. but coach was very hot and cold for me sometimes he's sometimes you need you need him on the pitch because he's just got he's got the drive and thinking but if if he has a if he's having a stinker early on he never he never gets gets back into it and if something something bad happens to him or something decision goes his way that first 10 15 minutes he's sort of heads gone for the rest of the match and it is quite frustrating at times
0: yeah and obviously, we, we got away with it once in the Coventry game, Michael, where, you know, kind of try to play it out from the back, and made a mistake, and I think it was Conor Chaplin who somehow missed from what must have been about five yards in right in front of the goal as well. But again, that goal is just a reminder that if you switch off for a second, especially in the Championship, nine times out of ten, you will get punished.
2: Well, it's a ruthless lesson that we're going to have to learn. In League One, you get away with a lot of I think we probably take for granted a bit how, in League one we actually got away, with probably making mistakes a lot more, whereas the championship, the the athleticism, the speed of the play, um the strength of a lot of the players, the tenacity and the relentlessness of the league. I think it it's probably in a way, it's probably good that we're learning this while still pick well, well, obviously yesterday while still picking up a victory. But yes, you know you're right. we, we there's something that we do have to address and learn from. But again, as I pointed out, I think it is a lot of that is down to the fact that we aren't used to it yet. And I think once we do get used to it, then I think we will start to get better at cutting out those mistakes. But you're right. If you, it's it's a reminder, isn't it, that if you, like you said, as soon as soon as you switch off in League One, you don't get punished. In the Championship, nine times out of ten, it's a goal.
0: Yeah. Now, it was one one at half time, but again, second half, Bristol City took oh, six minutes again from restart that Bristol City scored again. It was Chris Martin this time, Dylan. And again, you know, talking about the first goal, very similar for the second one, this time it's Alex Pritchard, who switches off. Uh, player 1-2, Pritchard doesn't stay with this man, get the ball across goal and Bristol City take the lead. So again, it's just one of them things that Sunderland do need to look at and I'm sure Alex Neal will be aware of. Just cutting out little mistakes and little lapses of concentration.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think obviously something that they'll they'll be looking at improving is just certain individuals being able being able to keep a man because well, well, all the goals have conceded so far have been from someone losing a man and then them getting in that space and obviously making us say uh, making us pay for it. But obviously you can't like like I know Pritchard's not an, an attacking player, but if if you if you've been tasked with getting on someone, then you've got to make sure that you're at least you're at least within enough proximity to disrupt them should they be able to get a chance off. But he hmm. just had he just had to room and, and just put it in and then obviously we'll find ourselves two one down. Thankfully later on we turned it around. But if come the end of the game that had finished two one or maybe even if it was a draw then there the would have been a lot of criticism going going there. So the ways of the the, the two lads who were, who lost their men in
0: the in the lead up to the goals. Yeah. yeah. And obviously like you said Michael, two one down it is easy to kind of fall victim to obviously the atmosphere, the fact you're losing the game and, you know, Bristol City again, they're an established championship club there you know, I think they conceded twice against Hull in the opening game of the fixture, in the opening game of the season, sorry. So they are, you know, susceptible to conceding goals. But even at 2-1 down, there is that sense that, you know, a bit of nervousness could creep in, a little, you know, again, mistakes, lapses of concentration. But it only took two minutes for Sunderland to get the goal back. And again, it was Ellis Sims, Pritchard involved again, two ball, two Sims, and a different goal because he has a lot more time to think about it. You know, the first one kind of touch and hit. Before the keeper can get back into position, second goal he gets played through. He has to beat his defender and he puts through the legs of the keeper. A very different goal, and again, just kind of kind of shows that the strikers that we do have, especially Ellis Sims, and you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do this season. He is capable of scoring different types of goals. We don't have to cater a certain style of way to 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 cater him.
2: Well, exactly, and that doesn't, and that in turn doesn't hinder the rest of the team. It means that you can then. Play the way that you want to play, well, which in turn will then create more. I know it sounds really weird, it's like a, it's like a circle really goes round and round. But that then means that you can create more chances by playing the way you want to play, which means that the strikers have more opportunities to score goals because they do prior earlier work. Um, and uh, as you said, I didn't actually realise how quickly the the second um, two goals for both Bristol City and, and were separated by about two minutes. So that's even that's even more encouraging. The fact that yeah we didn't crumble. Um, and to be fair, that the the pass through from Pritchard um to Sims was just really really good. Um, and then, as you said, it's very difficult. It, like strikers in particular, it's a mental sort of block sometimes where you have a lot of time to think about what you want to do. And bear in mind, he turned his man once, uh, and I think he might have turned him again, and then mm. managed to, managed to finish it underneath the keeper. It felt like he took. An... In fact, funny enough, I've just got a second goal back now. Um, watching it back, so yeah and bearing in mind another player is trying to close him down at the same time that he's shooting so he showed great strength to turn away from his man showed great composure in front of goal when he basically was you know he had time to think about what he was doing and again you know because because he ends up being able to score different types of goals it means that we can win games in a variety of different ways and as you said Sims doesn't dictate that we facilitate his strengths by restricting ourselves and playing a certain way
0: yeah and um, Sutherland did eventually get a third goal, Dylan, and it wasn't Sims this time, it was the other striker Ross Stewart, who got his first goal of the season, which obviously will do him very good for the season. And it was again Alex Pritchard with the assist. And again, that was a completely different style of goal. I think Jack Clark got the ball, he's played it back to Pritchard, he's put Bond in the box, and it's a very good header from Ross Stewart that obviously, well, it won the game in the end.
1: Yeah, no, definitely it was it was an excellent team goal obviously. It starts off with Clark who's who's got the ball, he's rent the byline, then he's cut it back, seen seen Pritchard in space, played it, played the ball back, and then he's just stuck an in inch perfect crossing for, for Ross Stewart to nod in the back of the net. And I mean that's obviously what we've grown to, to expect from Pritchard, but it says it's it says a lot for me about, about obviously him him as a player, how we we knew he was a class above anyway when when we had him in League One but then he's come up and he's he's performing straight away like he doesn't he looks far from out of place back in this league which just shows what a coup it was to get him in the first place when we were when we were in League One I suppose but yeah no if uh, if he keeps putting balls in like that I'm sure Sims and Stewart aren't going to be short of goals this season
0: yeah and I was actually looking on Twitter before Michael um last night. Um, I can't remember why I saw it, but the actual tweet where Ross Stewart was announced to have signed for Sunderland, it was Ross County who he tweeted it, there was a few people under that saying, not a chance, is he going to come good, he's going to be nothing better than what you have anyway, he's no big miss to Ross County. I dare to think they're probably rethinking them words now.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, it, it's pretty funny if you could say the same about Pritchard, that a lot of Huddersfield fans didn't particularly have ruined receptions of him, and yet we've seen... What they've described of him is the completely opposite to completely opposite to the player that we've actually seen. So, with regards to Stewart, yeah. Um, lastly, I think I think the the moment I started to think there's something about this guy it was probably in the Lincoln playoffs, Lincoln playoffs second leg, when I thought actually his movement is all rounded, game intelligence, um, and obviously a good finish with it. I thought was actually something about him. And obviously last year, you know, there was a pa- there's, there was a couple of times he went through a patch of run of run of pa- no. So I'll start that again. Run of games without scoring. <laughs> Um, when I can get me words out properly. But 26 goals, including the playoffs, is no mean feat in your first seas- full season of English football um, in a league where it's, stre- it's extreme, in League One, which is extremely physical anyway. And for yesterday, I was, as you saw, I put a tweet out um, earlier today saying I was absolutely buzzing for Ross Stewart to get the match winner because the longer it goes on without a goal, the more that you can tell he gets a bit down in and himself when he hasn't scored for a while. And I think for him, that'll be a special moment for him. Coming from behind to get his first championship goal to earn us our first championship three points. Um, And the fact he's got the goal so in his first two games, uh, I'm I'm, I'm buzzing for the guy. I really am. And as you said, I think the Ross County fans, if those who have been seeing stuff like that, will be in their words now, or they should be.
0: Yeah. Well, they did finish 3 2. And like I said, and like Michael said right at the start, it does mean we are second in the league, Dylan. One way to go, quite frankly, that means absolutely nothing at this point. But while we're here, we might as well enjoy it. You know, like we say, no one really knows what we can achieve this season. Um, a few more players will come through the door between now and the end of the window. So just about, you know, taking each game on an individual basis. Obviously, Sheffield Wednesday and the Cup next, which obviously we'll get into very shortly. We've got QPR on Saturday. So just about taking each game as it comes and, and just winning them.
2: Yeah, no, definitely.
1: Obviously, as you said, league positions right now mean absolutely nothing. I don't think they start a matter until probably about. It is nice to look at, isn't it? To see us see us sitting in the championship after obviously last time we were in the championship barely being off uh off bottom spots. But um I just think it's just as you said, take every game as it comes and just get get as good good performances in as, as we can. Obviously, QPR next in the league, that's gonna be a very, very tough test. They're looking like a very good team, especially attacking wise. Obviously, they've got their players like Chris Willick, who absolutely rinsed for his defence and slapped one top corner in the last game. So hopefully he hopefully doesn't carry that good form in the game against us. But I mean, if we if we go there and get maybe get well not go there, if we obviously play against them at home and possibly get a win. Even like a draws draws a decent result. But say we get another three points then. That it's looking, it's looking even better going forward, and I mean, as I said, it's been God knows how long since we've lost a game, and if we keep it going for a while longer, who knows? Who knows what we could do?
0: Yeah. Well, player ratings, we'll get into, and like I've said last time, I am not going to be giving ratings, so I'm just going to get used to, it to do it. And Michael, I'm going to start with you, Anthony Patterson in goal. I feel like I'm going to say six quite a lot here.
2: Um, standard six. I don't really. I don't think either of the goals were Patterson. Maybe the second one he could attribute a little bit of blame, but for the most part, I thought he was very confident, very assured, and offered that um, reassurance to the back line, which I did think later on, as the game went on, made a difference. And in particular, when we were on the back foot, when we, from when we went three two up, it was just nice to see that he was just being the usual shit house that he, we've become accustomed to him being.
0: Yeah, Dylan.
1: Um. Well, since Michael was there, I'll I'll just agree with him. I'll go for six. I think we should. To be honest, I think we should just get him to run through these because I didn't catch catch most of the game. I just saw little bits on before and and the highlights So less. us be me giving these. Ratings, he was there.
2: Really.
0: <laughs> bye, bye That was ratings, new podcast name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: God, sorry. Dad, L- go on.
0: Lyndon Gooch will go with next. Um, obviously, like we say, we are kind of putting what the blame. On him for the goal, obviously, it was his man that scored it, Weyman. He's tried to play offside instead of just clearing the ball, which I, I don't really know why he's done that. It's a very... From the position he and Weyman were in at the time the ball was played, seemed very easy to just defend it and, and not take any risk. Because, quite frankly, even if he was onside, um, offside, sorry, you know, the officials in the EFL are just as likely to give it anywhere. So he is probably at fault for the goal. Don't think you did too much wrong outside of that though, Michael.
2: Kyle is gonna be listening intently to my rating of Gucci here, isn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would still go with the same rating. I would have I actually thought that Gucci on the whole had a really good game, but I think for the fact he was at fault but directly for the first goal, I think that's probably I think that's probably got to knock it down to about a six. But otherwise I thought defensively he was generally very good. And in the second half I thought he was outstanding personally.
0: Yeah. We'll just rattle through these as quick as we can. Um I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Dan Ballard on the right side of defence. Obviously, he had a pretty good debut against Coventry. He got a new chant as well, which I'm a fan of. I don't know if you've seen that on Twitter or not. If not, go and have a look. Um, but again, thought he dealt dealt with you know the attacking threat of Bristol City fairly well. He was strong, won his headers, just a bit of everything really.
2: Um, seven. Other. I'm honestly. Yes, and I know it sounds weird given a defender of seven and let in two goals. But again, I don't attribute either of them really to him. Um, not his particular fault anyway. But again, on the whole, I think like, like I said, with the Niguez. Later on, as the game grew on, and as we were coming under more pressure, I think his his aerial presence of having able to just clearly head the ball away and just just be a just be a rock in defence, I think was a vital thing. So I'm going to say seven. I'm just in a generous mood.
0: I think the thing is with Ballard as well. He is a no nonsense defender in terms of how strong he yeah. is. Well, he's technically he quite decent in.
2: as well, isn't he? Yeah, uh, but he can
0: play the ball as well. So he's a no nonsense defender, but a ball playing defender as well. He literally is a bit of everything you want in defence. I think he's quite quick as well. And we
2: got him for two million quid.
0: Yeah, you
2: know, but that's it. Just that's it.
0: Can't complain about that. Danny Bart. obviously he started in the middle of defence again. Um, also played against Coventry again. Don't think he did anything wrong. Not really at fault for any of the goals. I think it might have went down as a potential Danny Bart own goal the second one. But you know, like I said on Coventry, it's one of them balls in the box where if he doesn't go for it to tap in anywhere. So I don't really think there's much blame on him there
2: same rating again I thought um, yeah I thought he actually I think in the first half there was a couple of really crucial blocks that he was making that I noticed and again his experience combined with the with the youth of ballard I think really helped um and helped us in terms of getting the win yesterday
0: yeah um and on, obviously making up the final player of the well back three obviously we've already included gooch so it doesn't really count that but played on the left side of the back three den Serkin again don't think you did anything wrong got forward a few times. Yeah, six again. I
2: think there was a couple of people behind me in the first half that were re- Well, there was one person who was really slate and circling, which I thought was a little bit unwarranted. But that's his opinion. They were all entitled to them. Um, I think the first half... Wasn't Adam, was it? Sorry?
0: Wasn't Adam, was it?
2: No. Well, it didn't <laughs> sound like him. Um, anyway, uh, that would have been concerning if he just t- radically changed voice and then suddenly... But anyway. Um, yeah, first half, I thought he was... I think the couple of times Bristol City were coming down his side. Um, but again, I, again, I'm going to keep repeating myself here. As uh, in the second half, I didn't think he would. T- I think maybe those. I think maybe um, the attack for the second goal came down his side. Since then, though, I thought in general he was relatively solid
0: enough. Um, so I would probably say a six. Yeah, I'm going to make a bold assumption. Dylan's still there, and ask him what do you actually think of Serkan playing as back three? Because, like I said, he is one of them players that I think again, you either love him or hate him. He, I don't think he's had any particularly great games for Sunderland since he signed. He hasn't had any particularly bad ones. He's always been one of them steady players, but he is, obviously, signed as a left-back. Alex Neil came in, switched formation. He's been playing as that left-sided centre-back. Does that suit him more? Uh,
1: well, I, I think he's been, I, think he's been I quite like Sirkin, so. obviously, yeah. when we're in, in defence, i you say, I as just... I know, he's good, isn't he? Like he's like obviously he tucks in and plays sort of that left side centre back, and then as we as we go forward, it sort of sometimes he'll shift to a four, and then he'll be back in that left back position, giving Clark the chance to sort of roam forward a bit more. And he's not afraid to to get up and down, up and down the flanks when he is playing a bit wider, certainly. and uh, I don't think he's I don't think he's put a foot wrong yet. obviously that's only been two games, but and, and it's not it's not long ago when we signed him that the Spurs fans were talking about how he was like having Ansu Fatty in that in his back pocket. And I mean not just I know it's only a youth level, but not any not just any player can sort of get these these world class talents and never game. team. team. Ah, not quite Callum fan I mean <laughs> he should be he should be in the world eleven. Never mind. Never mind Spurs Spurs youth team. But yeah, no, I think I think there's a lot of potential there, and I just think he should be should be given a chance to prove himself. And until until he does something that warrants maybe
0: losing his spot, then I don't see why anyone should have a problem with him. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I agree more. Left wing back Jack Clark obviously started there again, and again he's a player that had a few question marks over him from one or two people specifically mentioned no names Adam, um, but <laughs> against Coventry I thought he was very good. Obviously you know gets up and down well um defensively not the best but again he's he signed as a winger he's kind of been moved into this wing back position where he hasn't really played too much so it will take a bit of you know a bit of training a bit of getting used to and, and kind of adapting to the position but in terms of when Sonnen had the ball going forward he was very good and very dangerous
2: I agree with that completely. Um, I think in the first half it was kind of a mix from him really because there was a couple of times where I felt he got done too easily um, defensively. Taking that though, he made a pretty, well, I know it wasn't like on the line literally, but it was a goal line clearance pretty much that he made in the first half. And even in then, the first half, he had a couple of burst and runs down the left-hand side that really caused Bristol City problems. And second half, in that, in that spell in between our second and third goals, that 20 minutes, I thought he was outstanding. I thought he was really, really good. Oh that's yeah, it's a question of if I go with the six or a seven. No, I'll go I'll go with a seven. I think going forward he was very good.
0: Yeah. Moving into midfield, Corey Evans, obviously again, club well, team captain. I don't think we have a club captain. That that was a late Johnson about to say thing, it, wasn't
2: legend it? There.
0: Club legend, Corey Evans. Might go with that. Club legend, Corey Evans in midfield. Um he picked up a very, very early yellow card for a challenge that was probably not a yellow card, given how early it was in the game. Um and the referee didn't really follow that kind of consistency because I think Bristol City got away with a few similar challenges later on in the game without getting a booking but he did well to be fair given the fact that he'd had a yellow card for what 89 minutes or probably longer given at a time as well so yeah. i think he had a pretty good game all well, no.
2: steady six for me um, i think that i think it's i agree with you on the yellow card thing but we we've come to expect nothing less than that from officials in this division it's just an absolute joke that they that that referee team, that is yellow card, certainly as early on in the game as he did. Uh, but yeah, Evans, I thought again was steady. Um, I still have question marks on whether he can play over 46 a uh, 46 game season, and particularly with the first three months being congested to the World Cup. So we need another midfielder in. But I'd like to think the club recognise and know that. So for the time being, I think Evans has I think got overran a bit against Coventry, but yesterday I thought did a bit better. So I'd say six.
0: Yeah. Alongside him was Daniel. Obviously, he has played the opening two games of the season. He had a very good pre-season, so I think it's fair to say that he definitely deserved a place in the starting eleven for the opening game against Coventry. Don't think he did too much wrong, so he kept in the team for the away game at Bristol. Don't think he had much impact in the game. Didn't do too much wrong, so I'd imagine I know where this one's going.
2: Well, fine enough, I might go with a five, just to be different. Um, I felt Dan Neal, I think it's one of those where I've said, actually, I think Daniel will adapt very well to the Championship. I want to make that clear. But I think yesterday some of the passes he was trying was a little bit misplaced, a bit skewered. It, it just, I don't know. Some things just didn't come off for him. Um, but again, helped do his job towards the end. But I think, I think I'm think i putting a five just by Daniel's standards because I've seen him have better games. Yeah. So yeah, maybe Me- that wasn't what you saw coming. I didn't go with a six for once.
0: Not quite. I definitely thought a six was coming. Hopefully. I don't think you're going to give one to the final three players. I like to think not. But Alex Pritchard obviously got himself two assists. Um, talked about how he probably could have done a little bit better for, I think with Bristol City's second goal where he did lose his man when they played that one-two. But again, you know, he, he is an attacking player, a very good attacking player at that. And he definitely showed his quality again and, and showed why he's played championship level for so long in his career.
2: Uh, right, this might shock you. I'm going to go with a nine. For me, yep. Pritchard was the... Uh, and I know that... Uh, well, I should and get onto this with a man of the match. Everything Sunderland did in that period where we were really dominant was through Pritchard. Pritchard, was lit, there was not one area of the pitch where Pritchard didn't, wasn't covering himself in. He was basically winning the second balls. He was getting in amongst the battles amongst, amongst his, uh, against, the, against the opponents. And he, wasn't, he, he was winning them most of the time. And bearing in mind, he's, uh, he's up against people who are about probably a foot taller than he is. So he was able to win the battles, get the ball back and some of the passes he was making in the build up in the build up to some of our attacks were I thought was really good and obviously he gets got two assists didn't he he got the match winning assist which by the way yeah. like i said that that cross going in for stewart is just perfection really is uh, may, maybe maybe i watched a different game to everyone else but i thought stewart oh, sorry, i thought pritchard in that for that spell alone was a nine i thought he was re- i thought he was excellent
0: yeah, Fair enough for Stuart. obviously got the winning goal worked hard throughout got the assist for Ellis simpson's Ellison's opening goal and obviously first goal for the club since Simon did well. Did everything we expect Ross Stewart to do. Did everything he did in League One and obviously he has taken it to the next level, which is very good. So, written for Stewart,
2: seven. Um, I think I think but the assist and the goal aside, he didn't have the most impact as much as he personally would have wanted to. But I can't not give him a seven at least when he's got an assist and a match-winning goal, can I? So you know. I still lost Ross Stewart he won't be listening to this but if you are I still love you put seven
0: yeah I hope he is to be honest because I love him don't know oh, if I, uh, do. don't know if Graham Thorpe like that but... at the
2: minute if you, if you, if you question someone who doesn't love Ross
0: Stewart surely yeah, absolutely and moving on to the final player, obviously he bagged himself a brace and was very unlucky not to get Hadrick because I think that Jack Clark actually played the ball across to him. Like he said in the post-match interview, he did everything right. Everything you'd kind of tell a striker to do in that uh, position. You know, open your body up, play it across goal, keep it low. He did everything you would want him to do, apart from put it back in the back of the net because it was a very good save from Bentley. But other than that, obviously scored the goal after four minutes, good strike from distance. Obviously good composure to get the second as well, worked hard proved to be a real handful for defenders, which again, like I say, I'm looking forward to seeing that throughout the season. Hopefully he does stay fit and hopefully, based off what we've seen from him so far, he could be on play next season, hopefully. Who knows? But Sims waiting for you, Michael. Nine
2: again. Um, he, he, I can't think of I can't think of someone who's had a better debut than that for a long time. And yes it's one game. That we know, I've said repeatedly he is not going to be like that every week. But as far as this one game was concerned, what more could you have asked for him? Obviously, the only thing he did, as you said, was he could. it was unlucky not to get a hat trick, but he took his two goals well. Maybe questionable goalkeeping for both of them. You never know. But he took. That's not his problem. He took both goals really well. Good finishes, showed composure, showed strength, showed the right awareness. Like in terms of positional awareness, he had the speed. He was able to hold the ball off well. In, I'm, I'm just. I'm trying hard not to fall in love with him because you know the whole typical don't fall in love with a lone player but <laughs> it's going to be especially an
0: Everton lone striker. Yeah, So it seems I
2: wonder where I wonder where that what that was a hint for. But um yeah yeah I just I'm I'm really happy with it. if that's anything to go by I'm delighted we've got Sims at least for this season.
0: Yeah. Man of the match I think you've made it clear.
2: <sighs> for, now see it's a very big toss up between Sims and Pritchard. I'd probably still just go with Pritchard just because I felt felt he was quite unplayable in that 20-minute spell, and I think he was... Literally, he was at the heart of everything we were doing. But if people really disagree with me and wanted to go with Sims, I wouldn't begrudge it at all. You could make it... For me, it's a coin toss between either of them.
0: Yeah, that is totally fair enough. But next match is, of course, on Wednesday. At home to... No, away to Sheffield Wednesday. (laughs) Um... Just f- one out, isn't
2: it funny we're playing them on a Wednesday? I was about
0: to say, a very fitting game to play, uh, day to play them, yeah. isn't it? Because last fit.
2: season when we played them, I think we played them on every midweek day except a Wednesday. So it yeah. completes, the, completes this uh, little trend here.
0: It does. And hopefully the games go a very similar way to the, well, three of them. Not so much the... Uh, I
2: was going to say, no, not not the three.
0: <laughs> not so much the Hillsborough League game. Um, but in terms of cup games and cup style fixtures against them have done fairly well in the last year so hopefully we can do that again but what would you expect to see from Sunderland on Wednesday Dylan do you think we will go with a strong team try and you know go on a cup one like we kind of did last season obviously we knocked out to Arsenal in a game that we lost 5-1 but it really wasn't a 5-1 defeat to be honest didn't feel like one or do we kind of rest you know the key players and and try and push on league-wise um.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, for especially for a League One team, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday have got a very good squad. Obviously, they've signed quite a few, arguably Championship quality players over the summer. So I think in order to to guarantee a result, well, not guarantee, but to get have our best chance, we would have to name a strong side. But uh, what people are forgetting is that Patrick Roberts likes to score every time he plays against them. So as long yeah. as he's on the pitch, I, I have no worries man. at all. I've got no worries at all. In fact, I'm going to say it right now. He's going to score a Scorpion kick from the halfway line blindfolders, and then we're going to win one 0
0: <laughs> Any reason like he's wearing a blindfold for
1: this game? Price. Just, just to show off, like, just, just to flex on them.
0: Interesting. That would be a very. If that happens, I'm sure you'll regret not putting a bet on that.
1: I don't even. I don't even think, think it would offer his odds on the inevitable. So,
0: possibly not. Possibly not. But it you know, there will be a few players that will probably almost definitely start this game. Michael Patrick Robert obviously hasn't started the opening two league games. Ellis Sims has only been here a week. Will he play possibly, you know, kind of get up the match sharpness a little bit more than he already is? Elliot Embleton, I'd imagine, will start. Pritchard probably drops the bench, Matete. um a few Trey Hume possibly start I imagine there will be quite a bit of rotation, but with even with the squad we have now, presuming that we don't bring any new players in by then, it's still a good squad and a squad that you'd probably expect to beat a League One side.
2: You would think so. Uh, this is a good opportunity for these guys to try and stake a claim in the first team because if you think, well, okay, come on, at least make Alex Neil think about it. Um, and I think I think we will make a, I think we will make a number of changes. But even then, even if you put out a second team, it's a second team. Against a League One team should still be more than competitive enough, and even if we don't go through, at least not get embarrassed or anything. You know, I would, I would expect yeah. us to be at least make it a tough game or a tight game, one way or another.
0: Yeah. Finally, predictions for that game, Michael.
2: Oh. You got I've the got first game, game, game
0: right. You went one-one Coventry, and I mean, I said 3 0 Sunderland, Bristol City. I got the three right. Yeah, not you too were closer to
2: that score than I was. I've called our first two results, haven't I? Um... I've got a feeling we're going to get knocked out, and I don't know why. Um, I think because I think Sheffield Wednesday, I, I don't know what it is, I think we're going to make a raft of changes, and I think, I don't know, I think the fact it's at Hillsborough might play a little bit of a factor, so I'll say Sheffield Wednesday and knock us out on penalties. But it's one of those, for me personally, where if we did get knocked out, if we put in a good performance, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't lose sleep over it. But then again, if you want to try and better last season and get the semi-finals, then we need to be winning this Win game,
0: the so. whole thing. Win the whole
2: thing. Yeah, why not? Fin- we're finishing 16th in the championship and winning... Oh, no, forget it. League and Cup double. We'll win the championship, win the League Cup, win Europe next season.
0: Exactly. Liverpool away next season on Saturday, and then Roma on the Wednesday. Sounds beautiful to sounds fine by me.
2: Sounds fine by me.
0: It does. What are your predictions for the game, gentlemen? score-wise?
2: I mm-hmm. reckon...
1: yeah, 2-1-7 I think they will score because I I think they've got two or three strikers now who will just get massive lumps who like to bully defensively
0: Or after Roberts' halfway line scorpion kick blindfolded A halfway
1: line scorpion kick will be in the 96th minute Uh, and there'll be loads of stoppage time because everyone will have been trying to snap Roberts to stop him scoring and then they'll just be like so they'll get like 14 yellow cards Uh, so seven of the players will get sent off um, the match will be abandoned simply because the referee wants to save the scorpion kick.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean,
2: how, how, how could those Sheffield Wednesday players think they could, could be on the same pitch as per Sir Patrick Roberts? Quite
0: interesting. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't know if anyone actually knows this. Is there five subs in the cup as well? Should be. I can't oh, see why it wouldn't
2: be. I can't see why it wouldn't be, but you know how the, the FA can't organise anything, so it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure on that one, but I'm sure we'll find out in due course. But anyway, that is all the time. We have... For today. hopefully have a preview out again for the Sheffield Wednesday game which is again on Wednesday and then of course we will have a preview out for the QPR game as well not mentioning we will also have a podcast out for the discussion on what happened on Wednesday's game against Wednesday um so it's been a pleasure until next time we'll see you there that's all folks